So, first time I met you guys, um, I was dating Scott. It was 2018, and it was Memorial Day. He was out there yeah. helping his dad at the cemetery, and he introduced me. I think you were kind of running around, Jared, but um, he introduced me to you, told me you were the dance coach because oh, he knew yeah. I would like that. <laughs> and, um, and you looked at me, and you said, you're dating him? And I said, Just like yeah. And you go, why? As if I've known Scott for But it was memorable. Yeah, it was memorable. And I I just, I liked you guys right away. That's funny. Yeah, I I remember it being at a memorial, like Memorial Day or Veterans Day or something. Yeah, it was really hot. It was so sweaty. Yeah, definitely not Veterans Day then. No, I I think it was Memorial Day at the cemetery. He was helping his dad do the flags. Like, they actually put him in uniform because they were short people yeah that didn't and have he, I mean, he, he was uh, members of the legion he was not yeah so yeah. <laughs> well everybody thank you for listening to the almost home podcast thank you for coming back um there's been a big change that i don't know if you've caught on to this yet or not but we have more mics and equipment here thanks to SG services which is gage's company um, they are our first like sponsor. They gave us uh, gave us the money to expand. So now it's more than just me and our guest and Jen sitting in the corner. We can and in sit the corner. And, and, <laughs> we can all sit here and and uh, and say our piece, and Jen can and scold me and all the things she <laughs> likes to do. So today our guest is the lovely. Michelle Hutchinson, the wife of Scott Hutchinson, our second uh, guest we had on the episode. So, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little about yourself. Um, Hello, my name is Michelle, as Jared said, and um, I'm honestly, I'm very, very excited um, to do this, to share this. Um, There are some nerves, but um, more than anything, I'm excited and um, I'm grateful to be here today with you two and and share my testimony. Awesome, awesome! Thank you for being here. So we're gonna start off with our icebreaker questions. Number one, your dream vacation right now. Ooh. If we said thank you for being on the show, mm-hmm. here's a whole bunch of money. Go do what you want to do. Take your family and mm-hmm. enjoy. Um, uh, the beach. Uh, Hawaii. I went when I was 18 with my parents. I would love to go with my husband and kids and really just be a beach bum. <laughs> Lay there, eat good food, have good drinks, be in the sun, swim. That's, yeah. That's, that's it. That's that's it. Have some good books mm-hmm. to read, do some writing, and eat all the food. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> the food is the most important thing. <laughs> All right, and question number two, insert yourself as a character into your favorite movie or TV show. You're a character, you, you're yourself, but you're in the in the show, in the movie, playing a, not playing a part, you're you. Mm. Uh, I don't know, that, I have some, like, mutt TV I like, it's like reality TV though, but I don't want to be on it. <laughs> No, Big Brother. I love, I've watched it for years. Uh, So you think you can dance? I don't even know if that, but see, they're reality. I don't want to be in them. I like to watch them. 
and cheer for my people. Uh, Would Jared. you want to be a judge on it? Uh, well, Big Brother, you can't. Well, so you yeah. think you could dance? Yeah. I'm too indecisive. Does that mean I can't even make this decision right here? I'd be like, you win, and you win, and you win. Sorry. You sound like Oprah. You can go. You can go. <laughs> Sorry. I, I guess I don't know that show, so you think you can dance. That's not it's that's like American like. Idol. It, yeah. I don't even think it's on anymore. But it, it's oh. dancers. Yes. So what do you, like, how do you win? Like, I they, understand how you win. You're the, a better dancer. You can two-step like have, no one else. Yeah, they have really good choreographers, and they will come, and they have a week. They learn their routine, and they're partnered up with someone who, I mean, you're just, you're partnered up. You don't have a choice, and they each have their own history of, you know, dancing. And they will learn this routine, and then they have a week, and they go perform it. Awesome. Isn't there famous people on it? Oh, yeah. Like, celebrity, like, actually, or are they just the... That's that's dancing with the stars. Yeah, uh, that's that's where they have celebrities. So you think you can dance as just normal people, like just like American Idol. Yeah. Okay. So if you ever do get on this show, I don't want to be just the 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 ace up your sleeve that's gonna win it. It's called the Cotton Eye Joe. It's very little known dance. Yeah. You you whip that out and. I thought you were going to say star. dirty dancing. <laughs> no, no. This is a family-friendly show. I'll be the one that lifts. Patrick, here we are. How many podcasts? Patrick Swayze yeah. comes up a lot. <laughs> got to be in the water. Okay, yeah. let's see if I can reel us back in okay. here. Okay, your favorite scripture. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and I wrote it just in case, but... My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that is, I mean, when I came to faith, that, that scripture jumped out at me. It's always been one of my favorites because um, it reminds me there's always a bigger picture. Um, it's not just what I can see. Um, and sometimes just always wanting to make sense of things. Um, there's always a bigger picture going on. God's ways are just so much better, you know, thank you, Jesus, mm -hmm. than our ways. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Okay, you've already introduced yourself and told us kind of who you are. Now this is, it's open to you. Tell us your story. Tell us how you got to, from birth to <laughs> the Almost Home podcast. Yeah, okay. In detail. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I was, I was birthed. I was born <laughs> in 1982. Um, now, I grew up in a small town, Holton, Kansas. Uh, it's north of Topeka. Um, I had amazing parents. Um, had an older sister. Um, they were, they provided. I, I knew I was loved. I was cared for. Um we really, as far as faith and church goes, uh, we went off and on. Um, it, I had no relationship. I had, you know, I believe there was a God, but I had no personal relationship. Um, it, you know, didn't know who I was, who I belonged to, anything like that. And so um, I was a people pleaser. I wanted um, to make people happy. I wanted to make them feel good. And so, and that's kind of how I lived too, growing up. Just, you, you do what makes you happy. You um, do what feels good. And I, so I, I really, 
I didn't have a lot of boundaries once I got to like those teenage years. Um, I did, uh, I, I was bulimic. I um, would, again, I would just do what I wanted to do, what felt good, what made me happy. And so without those boundaries, um, I was definitely doing things that I wouldn't want my kids to do. I want them I want them to do so much better. I want them to know their worth. I want them to know who they belong to and why they're here. Um, so when I uh, graduated high school, um, I, I went to college. I left Holton, um, never went back there. Um, I was very much, when I was in school and college, my dreams were get a big house, get married, um, work hard, you know, make a lot of money. Um, and I, I just thought that's, that's what's going to make me happy. That's what's going to bring, you know, purpose to your life. And, um, so I did, I, when I graduated and, and in college was no different. I partied. Um, I, you know, didn't really have those boundaries. Um, I had, you know, relationships that kind of weren't going anywhere no, no purpose in them. And when I graduated, that was college. That was, you know, make good money and save. You're going to get this big house. Well, I did work hard. I had a great job. Uh, but I, when I wasn't at work, I was, I was partying. And because of, you know, those decisions, things like that, I did end up, um, having a baby. I had Alex and, I'm, I'm so grateful being a mother was never maybe, um, in, in my plans, but I'm so grateful because it, it did, it changed the course of my life started changing there. Um, I was very selfish and self-centered and all of a sudden it just, it wasn't about me anymore. I had a, I had a baby to take care of. Um, and I had that little blip of, of being a single mom on my own. And I definitely at this stage of stage of my life, I thought, you know, this is karma for your bad decisions. Like this, this postpartum, I don't mean being the mom was the punishment. I meant this is the consequences of just bad things you've done or hurting people, you know, and now you're alone. Um, when I had her, I had people in my life, but I was the single like party girl. So those friends were still in my life, but my life changed the minute I got pregnant. I couldn't go party and they could, and they didn't know how to be there for me. They were, you know, in a different phase. So it was, it was definitely hard. I know I had undiagnosed postpartum depression, nothing where I wanted to hurt her, but where I felt hopeless. I felt like I, I just, this is it. You know, I'm just going to take care of her. I'm going to be alone. Um, and how, how old were you at this time? Uh, 25. Okay. Wait. Yep. Yep. 25. So I had, um, been at my job. Um, I don't know how long I had been at my job. I was a scientist. Um, I worked on call. Yeah. A scientist. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I did. You put someone on the moon? <laughs> Not that kind. Okay. We, we like were. lab stuff? Lab, yep. We um, mainly hepatocytes. We would isolate them. 
that were in your liver or hepatocytes from animal livers. And so we, if someone was an organ donor and their liver um, was not good enough to go to transplant, uh, people like us would get them so that they were still used. We would isolate their hepatocytes and pharmaceutical companies would either buy them from us or we would do the research on them themselves. So they would send us their drug and we would run the test on them that would predict that, hey, when this person takes this drug, this is how they're going to process metabolize it or it'll interact with this and, you know. My science, like I'm a science weirdo, and I feel like we need to go out now and have <laughs> to dinner and have. Yeah. Well, I only did it for five years. Did you I, have a pocket protector? No, I had a lab coat that held. Okay, so it, that's... Had, it held my pins and my safety glasses. Okay. And, yep. Nerd. And then we had the <laughs> we had the the what was the cell culture room where you had to fully suit up. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. How so, did we never talk about this? Well, because I didn't do it. I mean, yeah, it's five years of my life. And... Right. <laughs> five years is a long time. Yeah. That's, I mean. I mean, yeah. That's what my degree was in micro, microbial and cellular biology. So, and I only picked it, again, because I was like, I want to make money. At that time, that's all, you know, I picked it because I was like, you got to pick a major. And it was like, I bet this will make money. I'll pick this. <laughs> I know. No boundaries, no direction. Just, you know. I went to the funeral business, and here you are with a lab coat. And wow. Uh, okay, let's, let's let's get this back on track. We'll okay. talk more about Dr. So, Dr. Michelle later. Yeah, yeah, no, but, so I had Alex. I was doing this job. You know, I had her. Life changed. Um, and then this is where I met uh, my then husband and so I moved to Burlington uh, to be with him and I commuted. I commuted from Burlington to the city every day um, doing this job. Yes. How far is that? It would take an hour and 15 minutes um, and that was before you know on I-35 it's 75 miles per hour. This was it was not then it was 70 miles per hour. So did that commute, and that was hard because Alex, um, for a while, her daycare was still in the city, um, and then I eventually found her a daycare in Burlington, but that was a lot of time away from her, you know, mm-hmm. with those hours, and so moved to Burlington, um, we uh, decided to have um, another baby, and that was Maverick. And um, Tyler, he also, he had another son that was older, so I had a stepson, Landon, um, and we had Maverick, we, we got married, um, it was, and, and then at the time we were living in his house that he had, but we did move um, to this bigger house in Burlington, and in my head, it was like, this is this is going to make me happy. I got more closets. I got, st- you know, I was still in that mindset of this, this is your purpose. And we did also, after having Maverick decided that I would start staying home, the commute was, it was a lot, you know, and if there's bad weather and things. So at that point, um, I also started, uh, I was a stay at home mom when Maverick was born and it was a totally different experience with him as a baby. 
um, than with Alex. I got so much time with him and sometimes my heart would break because I would have experiences with him that I was like, I missed this with her because I worked all the time and it was just different. It was a different, um, experience. And, uh, you know, I was still definitely struggling in momhood. It just wasn't a natural thing. I always thought I was messing up and it's like, am I really supposed to be their parents? Am I, you know, what am I doing? And so, and then, um, Tyler adopted Alex as well. So she, we all had the same last name at this time. And, uh, after moving to Burlington, becoming a stay at home mom, um, I noted, you know, you want to have friends and Burlington is just like Wellsville, small town, just like Holton where I grew up, small town. Um, it was hard in adult life. It's harder to make friends than when you're in school and you get the convenience of you see each other every single day. And, you know, when you work, I think that's sometimes why you make friends with people you work with. Uh, you see them every day. And so I noticed it was like, I, I would like to have a friend to call or hang out with. I had worked out of town the whole time I had lived in Burlington, so I really didn't have the opportunity to make friends. So when I would go to the kids' school pickups or things like that, I would just linger. And I would try to, like, make conversation with people. And um, that's kind of how I, like put my foot in. It was very uncomfortable because, you know, people are already established. They have their friends. Um, Burlington was unique in that because of the nuclear power plant there. There are a lot of, what's that word, imports or there's a lot of people there that are not necessarily, they grew up there. There's a lot of people that did, um, but because of the nuclear power plant, a lot of people move there um, that aren't necessarily outsiders. Yes. And probably some scientists for you to hang out with. <laughs> You know, I did attempt one time to, I thought about applying there because they have a chemistry department and it was, you know, and of course they tell you all the money that you'll make working yeah. there and just didn't follow through with it. Um, but I did, I, I uh, started going to this Bunko group, which is where I kind of met some women, but I didn't really know them and it was definitely not enough to, hey, you want to hang out? You know, you just met, you gained Facebook friends and then you could kind of know some things about them from social media. Um, I had met Hannah Carlson. We had, if you, with my stepson, we had Landon, Alex, and Maverick. She had three kids, all the exact same stages. So I felt like we kind of became fast friends. Um, but this was also the stage in my life where I just, I knew something was missing. So we're, Maverick was born in 2011. I had started kind of forging these new friendships, um, very new. Um, but I also, it was like, I have the house, I'm married, you know, stay at home mom. Like, why, what's missing? Like, why am I, like, why am I not fulfilled? Why am I, you know, so I think, I think God, well, I know God was always pursuing me. There is a reason you're here. There is a purpose. These things are not going to bring you happiness. Like, but, of course, I can see that now, that there was a bigger picture going on. And, and this is kind of where seeds started getting planted. Um, through this Bunko group, I was able, one of the women I didn't know well, um, her name's Casey Lyons, we ultimately ended up lifting weights together, um, which, which started kind of, I mean, fitness absolutely impacted my spiritual life. 
or my spiritual walk, my faith walk. And so it's not necessarily like we talked about faith, but there were people that kept my, my son, Maverick when he did, um, one of the sports, his coach, um, Kelsey Crutchfield and her husband helped. Um, they would just plant seeds, like let me know I was always invited. Um, there was another woman, Christy Over, always very loving. Um, so there were seeds being planted. And it was like church. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know about that. And um, that's where the seeds started. So. At that time, my friend Casey, we had kind of started this friendship working out. Um, she was going through some some real hard things in her own life. And there was something on me that was normally where I would just jump on and like bash people. I, I didn't do that this time. It was like, just listen. Just just be there for her. Don't. I don't know. And, and I know that was a God thing. Like, just, just listen. And that grew our friendship. Um, I did know that they were starting to have this um, Saturday night church service. It was like this new little building in, in Burlington. I didn't know much about it, but word was spreading, you know, and there's something growing, kind of a hype about it. I also, with this Something's Missing, there happens to be this women's group that's going to start meeting during the day. And so I was... I, that was the something Smith that was like, we'll go. That's at a time you don't have any kids, you know, because he had like two hours at preschool, three days a week, and it just so happened to be during that time. And so it was like, let's, let's go. So I started going to women's group. And this is one of those where I felt kind of like a fraud. These, these women, but I was so intrigued. They're talking about their faith and how it applies to life. And they're, you know, the Bible, we'd watch these videos. And the, the, the questions that we would share as a group, they were so applicable. And I would leave and I couldn't stop thinking about it. But the fraud part of me was like, but you don't go to, you're not going to church. You need to tell these women you're not going to church. It's never like they came out and asked me, do you go to church? You know, they just welcomed me in this group with open arms. And that's when off and on I would go to this Saturday night service in this little tiny building. And... The worship would, and there it, there wasn't a lot of people in there. Um, it would move me to tears every single time. It was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, why am I so emotional for this song I've never even heard before? But, and and one of the women there, Christy Over, she would just come over and put her arms around me and just say, you know, she's glad I was there, even though I'm ugly crying. <laughs> like I had to get out of there every time as fast as I could. I was like, what is going on? But I know. That was, that was God, you know, pursuing me. Like, I have something, like, I have something for you, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I just kept resisting. So I, I'm attending this women's group. I would sporadically go to this Saturday night service. And then, before you know it, um, this Lamont Wesleyan Church is the, the main church. And they're in a little tiny town called Lamont. They had started this Saturday night service because so many people from Burlington were driving there. They're like, you know, we need a church in Burlington. The, the people there need something. So it started a Saturday night. And, of course, this took sacrifice from them of their worship. You know, their pastor, he would have to come. 
that God put it on their hearts. It's like, it has to be Sunday mornings. That's why the Saturday night attendance isn't. So when they switched to that Sunday morning, that's when to me, I was like, I've got to, I've got to go like, and not miss, like I've got to start going and, and not miss. And I think about that often because I think of those people of Lamont Wesleyan church, the sacrifices they made because God put it on their heart that there needed to be a church in Burlington. Um, and that's where it mirrors, I feel like, kind of what we're going through with family church. Mm-hmm. We know there's so many people driving from Baldwin. They, and it's going to take change. And I can't get off track so easy. But <laughs> So I was attending. They switched to Sunday morning. So I was regularly attending. Um, I also, this was when I started reading the Bible. I, I bought a Bible, um, started reading this by this time. It's like 2015. Um, I had some friends, uh, their names are Mark and Casey Raymer. And I knew them as we socialized together, um, as couples, you know, honestly, we partied together, things like that. And I, I loved them. Um, I didn't know them on a deep level. I just knew who they were. They were very friendly. I enjoyed, um, time with them. So as I'm attending these Sunday mornings, Faith is definitely growing. Foundations getting poured. There, I'm reading the Bible. I'm still attending women's group. Things are changing. This is where I was able to witness my very first ever baptism service. Never seen anything like that in my life. Um, I had nonchalantly confessed to Casey, who I was working out with, um, that I had never been baptized, and I thought it was going to be this big thing of her like you haven't you're a fraud you know all the it was she's just running along beside and she's like oh you know no big deal and then that's how it was with women's group it was like I had to I felt like I needed to confess to them that I hadn't and it was just this big thing I think that was me resisting God wanted me to hey you're gonna follow me let people know but I was like no so I witnessed my very first ever baptism ceremony at the church mark and casey raymer wasted no time they just they went up there they got dunked they they said they were going to follow jesus and i i can't tell you how much it moved me maverick was there beside me as i'm watching this and i'm trying not to ugly cry again i was just ugly crying every single week at these services and maverick was mommy you go up there and do that and i was like shh no, no. Like it was like, don't draw attention. You know, like don't, don't make me. Yeah. Did so, he say it loudly? So like oh, other yeah. people turn around. Oh yeah. Look? He. Yep. Oh, Mommy, crazy. you go up there and do it too. And he knew Mark and Casey. He had met them, and it was it was like shh, no, 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 no. But it was it was short time after that that I confessed to Casey. I told women's group like, listen, I had, and they were all no, no big deal about it. Like, oh okay. And to me, I thought it was gonna be this big like you fraud. Get out out of here. here. You don't belong here. And it it wasn't like that at all. Um, So during this time, this is where um, some women that I would work out with off and on, Casey was a regular, started talking about running a marathon. And I was, you know, immediately, no, you know, run for fun. We don't, you know, do this. And a marathon is 26.2 miles. I was... No. Well, um, God 
you know, had other plans. And as I said, I was reading the Bible. Um, there was a group message text between us five women one night where they're talking about it. And that is when God put it right in front of me, Psalms uh, 26, verse 2. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. And it was clear as day to me. Like, God was like, you're going to you're gonna run this marathon with these women. Like, you're going to do this. And so I told them I was going to do it with them. So we, we plan out our training. We knew we couldn't do every single run together. But our very long runs, miles, distances we had never done before, we're going to try to always do those together. At least start together, wait for each other, you know, to finish. Um, so this is where that journey began. Uh, we started training in December. The race was not until April. And this, I was marathon training, which was, it, it, it was a spiritual training on another level. Um, getting up early, doing things you don't want to do, but all the while God was just, he's like pruning, like just getting you so uncomfortable. And every time you would just take, take us through it, you know, we would mark off like, oh, this is. You know, you see the coming 17 miler, or 18 miler, and you're like, no way. And then every time it was like, but God, I was reading these um, run for God devotionals and I'm, I'm just, everything was speaking to me. I started having these visions of, I need to pray. I need to pray with these women. And by the way, Shauna, one of the women running with us, she was the worship leader at the church. So getting to do these long miles, these runs together, where I was just able to ask her questions or like, hey, I read this in the Bible and she could just minister to you just like that. She was, I mean, it, the whole thing was a God thing. And I would start at the end. So back to the visions of prayer. I knew, so before our very first long run, I was like, okay, you're going to, you're going to pray with these. And we're talking sometimes 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. It's dark. And in December, it's still cold. I had wrote a prayer on a post-it note. And so we're at, we're in front of Casey's house getting ready to start a run. We have our, and I said to them, I was like, I would like to pray before we, and they were all like, oh, okay. And five of us, you know, we held hands and I, I prayed and that became a thing every time before a long run, Michelle, you know, pray for us. And I always have my little post-it note with my prayer that I would, you know, the week before, okay, this way, you know, pray for strength in our legs. Pray God that when we want to give up, that, that we lean on you and things. So in every time this started happening, because we would start when it's dark, by the time you finish, it's hours later, it would be light out. And... I started every time at the end of the long run, I would notice that there would be a chicken hawk. And at the time, I did not know they were chicken hawks. And this became a thing. It would be on this electrical pole, and it would move to the next pole and the next pole. And it became like this symbol, this, to me, that God's with me. He has this. It's not my strength. It's his. And every time, discomfort, pain, um, just wanting to give up, he would pull me through. And, and this was, we were all as five women in different ways, having our own spiritual journey. And it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, 
So I had confessed, you know, not being baptized or having this race day finally arrives. And we had shared on social media kind of um, our journey of these long runs. So we had a lot of support as race day came. We all kind of had different goals. Um, Casey was expecting her third baby. So obviously keeping baby safe, listening to her body. You know, she was, she had, she was cleared by the doctor. Um, Tasha had injuries. Shauna wanted to qualify for the Boston. So she was Boston marathon. So she's going for time. Um, Julie wanted to complete a marathon before she turned 50. And I just, I just, wanted to finish a marathon but I can say that now but what I was actually doing was running to God like I was surrendering my life to him I kept trying to have control I kept hesitating with things and I would take those steps like I would pray or I would lean on him and not my own strength like so race day comes we had an over even though we were in Abilene Kansas hours away from Burlington we had this amazing amount of support from back home, so much love and outpouring. Um, when I finished, it was an emotional, like, succumb, overcoming of, like, look what God did. Like, and it wasn't, and this is, this is the thing. It's not about that mountaintop experience. Of course, it's great. We all finished. We all finished this marathon. It was amazing. But it was the journey. It was, it was all those weeks of getting up early, of talking each other off a ledge when the the pain or the injuries or I don't want to get up or I don't know how to fuel for this or it the, the journey is what made that finish line worth it. If you if you go run a marathon and you don't do the training, it I just it I don't know. It it's not the same thing. You you can't have those mountaintops without getting pruned without going through the ugly, without being uncomfortable to have that. And so race completion, this was April 9th, um, May 1st, I got baptized. It was finally that surrender of this. This is not, you know, I live for you. I am here for you. Why am I holding back confessing that I'm following you? That and it, 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 so after that, after getting baptized in this marathon, it's, it's not like life was perfect, but I was, I was on fire in my faith every single day. Um, I did end up leading, um, run for God groups, um, which was, it's pretty much like a couch to 5k. We would watch a video, do devotionals. And it was really just talking about how, um, your spiritual life, um, this parallel can coincide with your, your fitness and, and just being able to push through barriers and, and levels physically that maybe you, you don't expect of yourself, but like you leaning on God for what that step is for you. And so I honestly, things were good. Um, I still had my symbols with the chicken hawks that would appear at times that were you know, not coincidence. Um, and, and what year was this? The when I got baptized. You got baptized and ran the marathon. Two thousand sixteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you said Maverick was born in two thousand eleven. Oh, why did I think? 15? Well, because I, when the seeds start getting planted, that was after he was born. Okay. The blind 
kind of things that I didn't realize were happening that I can see now. Talking about your pray, like you have sticky notes and you're like hesitant to want to pray and you like just blurted it out like I need to pray. Yeah. When there's times that I have been around things that have been needing like a really good prayer, I'm like, man, I wish Michelle was here. Because <laughs> you're just so No, it needs good to be you. It. it needs to be you. It, maybe. It does. Well, it started but... out with post-it notes. Yeah. I would... It definitely in my faith then I would have never just been so bold of like let's just pray. Well, the I, mean, I, I was terrified. You and I every have been time out a couple of times with people and mm-hmm. you know the first time you've met them and you're like we're all gonna hold hands and pray before yeah. we leave. And yeah, like, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> this is so at Casey Wineco. Yes, yep. <laughs> right outside. That was a beautiful night. It was. <laughs> and then a lot of stories that night, and then pouring rain. Mm-hmm. We were sitting there praying in rain. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. At your, in Gardner. <laughs> yeah. Sense. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. This is why I don't have a mic, usually. <laughs> why? I think this is, I like it raw. That's exactly how it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. yeah. Once again, thank you, Gage, S&G Services. <laughs> Our uh, podcasts are now going to be a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... After this, you know, like I said, faith was on fire. I was leading um, some of these groups. Um, our church, our little tiny building, we had way out, way outgrown it. Um, we knew that people were not coming because there was no space. All of us that were regulars, I mean, we would stand to the sides. We knew there was a need for a bigger building. So at this time, we got a new building. All of us were a part of our life groups would be a part of the demolition and working on it. I mean, the kids, I have a picture of them helping stain doors. And I was like, you're always going to remember these doors because you guys are helping stain them. You know, just really special things. Um, we got the bigger church. Um, every time there would be a baptism service. I mean, I was always there. But those were my most favorite. They were amazing. They were powerful. Um You could definitely say my foundation was poured during this time. Um, One of those baptisms I saw in the little building, her name was Mandy Henry. Everyone had finished that was planned. What? Mandy Henry from here? No, Mandy. um, No, different one. Oh, okay. Mandy Henry uh, Burlington. Okay. And her last name is actually changed now because she got married. And I don't know what it is. Um, She... The people that were planned to get baptized that day did. And this was the first time I just witnessed someone that was like kind of shaking at the end. They're not dressed in the clothes to get back. You know, they're not in the t-shirt and shorts or she went up there and was just shaking and and got baptized. And it was like, wow. And she was even like, I don't know what I'm doing. But it was like, you're the Holy Spirit. Just it's amazing to witness this. And. So then we're in our bigger building, and and I think I've shared this with you guys, but I'm going to share it for the podcast too, but one of those amazing baptism services, um, there were several people planned to get baptized. They had finished. Um, He had said the worship band, you know, let's just play another song, and then we're out of here. And he said, if anybody else, you know, if it's time, it's time for you to, you know, declare you're going to follow Jesus, you know, just come on up here. So we're almost to the end of the worship song. We're about out of there. And this um, Jesse Colbertson is his name. He is, 
I knew that he was mainly at this time going to church with his wife. Just, you know, I don't think he was a strong believer. He was just going, you know, to support his wife. And he's shaking. Like, legs, whole body is shaking as he walks up there. And it's like, okay. And the music's playing. But I think Pastor Ryan said something like, you you know, you're going to follow Jesus and you want to, you want this to be known or something like that. And he was like, yeah. And he baptizes him. And then the floodgates open. And I'm talking moms, grandmas, dads, children. They just all start lining up. And the line is going all the way, like back to the back of the church of people lining up. Worship band just keeps playing and they are just one after another. And it's at this time when I worshiped, I didn't raise hands or do anything like that, even though, you know, I was on fire. It wasn't, I guess I hadn't surrendered in that way um, to God. And I couldn't help it during this. It was just like, I mean, people are crying. It was, it, it, it makes me think of like in the book of Acts when they have that kind of amazing moment of people are just coming to Jesus. And to witness that, to see it, it, there was no, like, how can you d- deny that there's a God? Like, I mean, this, it was powerful in the, that place that day. And um, I always think of Jesse Colbertson because he started the, the, the walking up there shaking, like, oh, I don't know what I'm, and that gave everybody else the green light. But, yep, don't hold back, you know? So when we have baptism services now, that every single time is on my heart. There's someone else here that was like me, that was like, nope, like when I shoost Maverick, <laughs> shh, you know, and, and don't do that. You know, just if, if you know, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and it's time to go public with your faith, don't hold back. Like what would have, I mean, the woulda, coulda, shoulda, what would have, if I would have got baptized that day versus waiting however many months before it's like, okay, I'll do it now. <laughs> Do you see the, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, resemblance, I guess, between, so a congregation often is referred to as the flock, you know, that were the sheep, you know, Jesus' flock and that kind of stuff. And part of when you're like rounding up sheep and that kind of stuff, trying to maybe move to pasture to pasture or something like that, you get the first one to go and the rest follow. Yeah. And that's the way it is. So. As a congregation, as a flock, you know, the Lord's sheep, and then you say, Jesse Culbertson walked in, he gets, and then the rest of the flock just follows along, like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. That just mm-hmm. kind of came to mind, like, that's exactly how it works, and puts into perfect, perfect perspective of how it just takes one, and mm-hmm. the flock will, will follow. Mm-hmm. At our last baptism we had here at Family Church, I've caught myself like looking yep. in the crowd, mm-hmm. like, yep. is anybody else gonna? Oh yeah, come like, is if you know? I'm, I'm just constantly praying, like, yeah. who else, you know, is God on their heart right now? Like, just go public with it. I can't like, wait to see you that day when somebody does just randomly <laughs> come and do it. I'm gonna look for you. <laughs> I'm gonna be in the corner. Well, you're always up front. You're like as close as. Well, possible. I always want to scream and applaud because, because it is a celebration. It is a big deal. It is. And, yeah, I think I've been able to witness those things. Well, and I know where I was when I resisted. So I I know there's always, there's always someone else. Because there are still people out there that 
don't know why they're here. They don't know who God made them to be and why, you know, so. Um, yeah, so I was on fire. I was able to witness these things. Um, I even uh, ended up running a second marathon, just, just two of us that did it, me and uh, Julie and I. Um, things were, you know, life was, it was honestly, it was good. Like, I loved God. Uh, and so that second marathon that I ran, that was in November of 2017. And so December of 2017 is really when life, um, it took a, you know, something you just don't see coming. Uh, my, my husband left the evening of December 9th. 2017, um, and his, his truck went off a bridge, and he lost his life, and uh, our world was turned upside down, and I was mad, and I was very mad, and I went... I, I don't know other, any other way to say it except I went dark. Um, I was very mad at God. I didn't want to believe in God. And I, as, I would yell and scream at God. And uh, I know now I can say, like, he could handle all of it. And I wanted to not believe, but yet I was yelling at a God I didn't want to believe in. <laughs> and so, and when I say our world was turned upside down, it was. Because you, your life is right here, and the next day it's literally upside down. It's dark. Um, it's just surrounded by darkness. The light of day was too much. The pain the grief that I was in, um, and, and I have to say, and I do say this now, there was just small communities, there's such an outpouring of love, you know, there's food, there's, and, and I know I'm, I'm kind of going to jump back and forth here, people will say to me now, you know, especially when people have such a tragic loss, like, what do you say, what do you do, and I, there are no perfect words, as you guys know, when you're in the thick of your pain, and you're hurt, um, there are no words, but you just, you just love them. You just show up and you just love them, even though it's uncomfortable. Um, and I definitely, I hold up in the bedroom. My mom took care of all the people coming over and I, the people that did or were around me. I know it was super uncomfortable. I know that I was ugly, um, and just dark, you know? And like I said, the, the light, hurt like and I, I think it was from Kyle and Lauren I heard this but like how God shouts in your pain and I definitely I can see like those moments now but there in that in that valley um it you're planning a funeral you're making all these decisions for things that you never your brain never even went there. And it was like, God, did you cause this? Did you allow this? Did, why didn't, just so many unanswered questions. I wanted 
and there was no sense of it. And to grieve the loss of my husband, but also to grieve the future. Everything that I thought, you think of your kids' things, you think of being a grandparent, you think of just everything you think of in the future, I had to grieve the loss of that too. The, all that's done. It's gone. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but and I don't know if it, this is still true, but this was in 2017. If you would text a phone and it would never go through, you eventually get a text message back that says that text message expired. Um, so text messages that I had sent to his phone, I would get the expired thing. And I, I can't tell you how many times it was at these key moments, I got an expired text message um, the morning I was leaving for the funeral. One time while looking at a wedding album. Another time, which I'll go into this, I, I took off to Colorado with two girls. Um, and I wrote a very dark poem. And I holed up in a bedroom there too. And I came out just to like read this poem to them. And after I read it, I got another expired text message from it. Cause it, when it comes up on your phone, it looks like it's from that person, but then you open it up and it says your text message expired. And there's just, I had, um, dreams where, cause there were just things like having to pick out music and things like that for the funeral. I had dreams where, you know, he said he liked the music. Um, sometimes they were apologizing. Sometimes they were... It, it, I just, to me, I feel like God kept... I know he was pursuing me. I know his arms were wrapped around me the whole time, but I couldn't f feel it. I felt... I was just so lost in my own pain and hurt. Um, just struggling... Uh, you know, with the kids, like, how am I going to do this by myself? And just so many things. It was, it was very messy. At the Christmas, this is around Christmas, so there's all these, you know, gifts that have arrived. Um, one of the gifts he had ordered from me arrived um, the day of... The funeral and it was a like it it was a glass square it said loved you yesterday love you still always have always will and there's just so much pain and like an unexpected loss I think there's always pain and losses but the being so close to Christmas and you think about all these holidays and all this others it was just I was not looking forward to the future I didn't look forward to days ahead I I just was hopeless and at the end of uh, that month my I had a couple friends one Julie who I'd ran with her daughter Emily and her friend Brittany who 
Brittany was also a very young widow. She had lost her husband in September uh, to cancer. I naturally felt close to her because she had also lost her husband and had a young child. Um, so I go off to Colorado with these two girls. Um, I did a lot of writing. It was dark. They allowed me my space to whatever. But um, So I was just going to share one of the things I had wrote at this time. And I, I did share this on social media at the time. So I'm just going to read that. Um, I resolve to be present to my grief. Grief has room for all that I think and feel. I'm too drained to worry what that looks like to the world. So far, my grief has been ugly, tear-filled, bipolar, messy, and wild. I admit to a quiver in my faith, but my foundation is not built on sand. My faith is deep-rooted. The enemy wants me to give up, and so do I sometimes. But God is faithful. My faith has changed, and the ground I stood on has shifted. It's not about how strong I am or how I hold on to God. God holds on to me. My weakness is his strength. When I'm angry, hopeless, desperate, unbearable, God meets me there and relentlessly brings me back to him. I don't share this pretending I'm okay. I'm not okay, and that is okay. I'm a mess. Everything is different, and everything is harder. Losing Tyler has refined every aspect of life. Facing his death comes with a deeper change in my faith. I have a real investment in heaven that brings me to think of it more. Maverick said it best, and I quote him, Stop crying. He's in a better place. It's actually not fair. Dad can do whatever he wants, and we're just here. Um, and I just I share that because sometimes I can't vocalize things, but sometimes through writing, it you're able to make it clearer. Um, also during this time, I was obsessed with um, finding other Christian widows. I wanted to find books by other women who had been through this and like how they're doing it. How are you still taking steps? At, how are you breathing? And more times than not, after I'd finished these books, I'd look up these women and like, where are they now? And I would uh, gasp because they would be remarried. Like, what? You know, just, but I was always reading, looking for these books. Um, and a lot of times these women were older. They didn't have younger children. And I was like, I need to find some, like, women my age that have been through this and walked through this. And um, I started having these uh, deer encounters. Um, one of them was, I, when this happened, I stopped running. Um, and I was being very much encouraged and supported by my friends to, you need to go outside and do something, you know. And finally, um, one of those runs, when I got back to it, I ran out on the gravel road to the bridge where his truck, and as I'm approaching the bridge, you know, I can just feel the heaviness of, like, I was going to lose my breath. I wasn't going to be able to keep going. And then there's just these deer right there in the field. And it completely just made me pause. It made me stop and breathe. And I was able to go on. I was able to go over the bridge. 
but um, another deer encounter happened. Um, I would drive, I would go out driving a lot. Sometimes kids would be with me, sometimes they wouldn't. And one of these times we were out driving gravel, I would just drive slow and we'd listen to music. Um, worship music was definitely so helpful because I felt like there were so many songs where you could just, they would put into words the pain that I was feeling. And we're having one of those car rides where we're all ugly crying for no reason. I mean, I would just bust out crying all the time. Like Maverick was younger, but he would be like, why are you crying all the time? And all three of us are in the car crying. And we're coming up on this gravel road. It's on Iris Road. And all of a sudden there's deer. So I stop and watch this deer cross. And then another one, another one. And before you know it, we're just counting. And it was like, it was like it was reindeer. It, and this was before Christmas. And we're just like counting them. And it was, again, it just forced me to pause. And another, um, when I was on that trip to Colorado with Brittany and Emily, every morning I would go out in the backyard. And this is a remote cabin in the mountains. There would be fog, you know, it was just really cool mornings. And every morning there would be a deer just out there, just beautiful um that would well honestly every time it would cause me to pause it would just so every time i wanted to just not believe that a loving god would cause this allow this something in me was just like you're not going to make be able to make sense of this like he's here he loves you but as I was reading these books that I was talking about by Christian widows, this, again, I have to read it. Um, God put these words right in front of me. It was in one of the books that I was reading after having these encounters with the deer. And it said, um, aren't you amazed, Michelle, that I see you, that I know you? And I know you were comforted by seeing those deer so close. Did you think that your grief that causes you to separate from others hides you from me? No. I see you. I am beside you as your eyes search. I know what warms your soul. And so it was one of those, you know, knowing God's arms are around me, but not wanting to believe it, but he's putting it right there in front of me, you know. So life is going on. And that's part of the, I think, feel that one of the things that felt so brutal was life is going on for everybody. And I felt like mine was just at a standstill. Um, February of 2018, so Tyler passed December 9th, uh, February 25th, 2018, um, Alex and Maverick got baptized. And it was, I got to be up there. Um, it was, it was beautiful, but it still felt hard. And it was like having one of those first baptism services that I've, I've so loved. And baptizing my own kiddos, but my heart is just so heavy and Maverick told me and he doesn't remember this now 
but I, I bring it up to him. I'm like, do you know what you said? He told me, he said, Mom, I saw Dad smiling in heaven when I went under the water. <sighs> and that day after the baptism service with the kids, they were with, they were probably with their Mimi and Papa, but I went out to the cemetery as I often did. And as I um, approached out there, I pulled up and I could see that there was like a, a bird on the, on the dirt. And right when I, when I went to get out, he, you know, he flew away and, but it's just those, I mean, God, it, it's different for everybody. God over and over uses nature, um, to speak to me. And I just, I knew he was there. I knew he was there. So, I mean, love was being poured out on us. I was trying to figure out how to go on. I was a mess. It was like I try to be happy, but it, it, it just wasn't real joy. It was, I still did not look forward to the days ahead, but I, I know I was coming out of my fog. I know I was being prayed for. I was being loved on. That, that never stopped, and I'm so, so grateful for those all those people um, that continued to pour out love on someone who was being really unlovable. Um, so, <laughs> and yeah, it was a short timeline here, but when I had told the kids, no more sleeping with mom, you know, we had been doing that for a while. I wanted to have, I just wanted to talk to someone that didn't know anything about me, that didn't know I was a widow, didn't know, I don't know, I just wanted to talk to someone that didn't know anything about me. So, uh, I created a plenty of fish profile, and I say I created a profile. I put a picture, it was like of my face, but there was a big butterfly, so you really couldn't even see my face, and then where they ask you all these questions about yourself, I was like, no, nope, not answering that. Not answering. So, I, I mean, I had nothing on there. And I put on there, just want someone to talk to. <laughs> so I do this on a Friday night. And I was horrified. The messages that I was getting from people, I was like, is this, this is what modern day dating, like this is awful, you know. <laughs> so I was horrified. Next morning is Saturday morning. I open up the app again. And I have this message from Scott Hutchinson. <laughs> And he's got all kinds of pictures. Like he's on a motorcycle. He's got this awful beard down to here. <laughs> but then there's some good pictures too. And um, he had sent this lengthy message about a butterfly on a face and just going into detail. It was so different from all the other ones. So yeah, we ended up messaging through the app and he was very much like, well, let's exchange phone numbers. It's kind of a pain doing it through. And I was like, whoa, no, I just, you know, don't be crazy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then we did, we exchanged phone numbers. And then I was texting all the time. And then it was, and he always rolls his eyes when I tell this, but he wanted to talk on the phone. And it was like, I can't. No, that's wrong. You know, I can't, we can't do that. Like, that's, that's another one. And I still, of course, didn't tell him anything about what was going on in my life. You know, we were just enjoying two people talking and 
um, finally in one of our text messages, and I screenshotted it because I saved it, but he said something about being bold, and I was like, well, are you bold? And then my phone started ringing. It was him, and I was like, <gasps> we can't talk in person, you know, but we did. That's where the phone conversation started, and that's kind of where conversations definitely got deeper. Um, just honestly, I had feelings. I had feeling. I had so many feelings for him before we had even met in person. We were talking on the phone all the time. We were texting, um, and I felt guilty. And of course, I told him I'd lost my husband. Um, you know, sometimes I was able to share with him like struggles, the heartbreak, loss like that, but. He was like, we've, you know, we've got to meet in person. And I was like, whoa, whoa. You know, it, it, constantly, I'm just, that's me. I'm like, no, I don't know about that. I can't. But um, we finally met in person and um, the feelings more than transferred over. You know, we'll, the the connection through the phone, you know, in person, it was no different. And um, what was different um Prior, I had never dated as a Christian and, you know, not having those boundaries or anything. And this was a totally different experience because, well, there are just things God has on my heart. Like, this is the way it's supposed to be done. And I struggled and felt guilty because I was just used to how it was always done. I think so was he. And so this... It was a different experience and, and good, but um, he did propose in October of 2018. We got married in April of 2019. And I mean, we got married in Pork Chop Hill. It was a really small ceremony. It was great. It was perfect, very simple. And it was, to me, it was going to be all about those vows that we were saying to each other. Um, but then we go off to our honeymoon, which is made, we spend all the money on the honeymoon and not, you know, not really much on the ceremony. And the, the pastor from my church who also did Tyler's funeral, he is the one that married um, Scott and I. And I can tell you, oh, and I forgot to tell you, when Scott and I were dating, I felt, like I said, the shame of, I guess I shouldn't worry about what people thought, but I did. And I didn't want to hurt people. But one day I was on the cleaning crew at my other church and my pastor comes up to me and he says, he goes, small town. He goes, here, you're dating. You know, he just comes right out and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I am. And he goes, that's great, Michelle. He's like, you, you fulfilled your wedding vows till death, you know, do your part. There's nothing to fill. And it was just a simple thing, but I felt like I really needed that because it's just hard. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It was like such a good thing. I was excited about the future. Um, I, I, when we were engaged, I knew, you know, I was already picturing our life together. I knew I was going to move to Wellsville because he has shared custody with his daughter. And it, I, I didn't. I could move. Um, I was a substitute teacher. I mean, I could do that anywhere. So during we get married, 
we go on our honeymoon and then we come back home and we're still in separate homes because I wasn't going to move to Wellsville until the kids were done with school. And that was weird. And so during this time, we would regularly go to RLC, which was my church, Radiant Life Church. And sometimes we went to Wellsville Baptist um, here in town. But one of those uh, services at Radiant Life, Addison, his daughter was there and it was a baptism service. And she, and this was to the date. February, a year after Alex and Maverick had got baptized, they were doing the baptism service, and she told Scott, she's like, I want to go up there, and he's like, no, you know, you got, grandma's not here, like, you know, we got we to gotta plan this out, and I, I, I think it sticks with me, because, and I also knew that Scott, since we had been talking, um, he had told me, you know, he had these plans to go get baptized and things like that, but just plans kept following through that he, he, he had not. And so when Addison says this, I go, I say, you got to let her go. And then I was thinking of the dates and I was like, it was a year ago today, Alex and Maverick, like she's got to go. And he, and then I think of like how Jesus says, like, let the children, you know, just, I think that is how it should be. I think of all the times I hesitated and I, anyways, I keep going back to that because I think it's just, there's always a bigger picture. Um, Knowing that move was coming to Wellsville, that was that was tough because I had such a good group of friends in Burlington. And not that we would be friends, but we had the luxury of running together every morning. So, you know, you have your therapy sessions, you have connections. Our kids gone to school there their whole life. That's, that's the kids they grew up with. That's their, you know, so I knew there was going to be a lot of changes coming. But I was also excited. So moved to Wellsville after they finished, um, and like I said, the our first year was amazing. It was beautiful. It was very hard. We Jake moved in with us full time. Um, Alex and Maverick, who they're there all the time. There's no other parent that they go to. You know, Addie, we had her half the time. There were so many changes going on. Um, the kids started school, you know, in August here at Wellsville, and that was the year of, um, that school year at, by the end of it, that's when school got canceled because of the pandemic. And it was just change after change after change. Um, January of that year, we definitely did not have a church home. I mean, we would sporadically go to places, but nothing stuck, um, so I think that's, when I look at it now, that's why it was hard. We were, we wanted to have a church home. We wanted, but but we didn't. And we weren't making it, we definitely weren't making it a priority. And um, at this time also, Lauren and Kyle moved into our neighborhood. Um, they, they always would send their little girls down with invites to church. I knew of a couple women that went there, so I was definitely interested, but I also, it needed to be like our family's decision. It couldn't just be because I'm like, hey guys, let's do this. And I mean, that's eventually how it came to be. Um, Dustin and Lauren Williams, we were over there one night and they were like, we need like accountability to make sure we're going every week. And so that's how we ultimately decided let's go to family church. And so Oh, was it that? Yeah, it was that year. So we end up start going to family church. It's amazing. We take next steps right away. We get involved in groups. We 
it, it's changed our life for the better of, I mean, but by no means, and you guys know us, we're far from perfect. Our life is not perfect. We, we are not without struggles and, and pain and fights and, you know, all of that. But being a part of this church and just to be a part of a church that's on fire is growing reaching so many people outward focused. It's not about us and the comforts of us there. It's reaching those that have never known Jesus. And it was, um, we had started going that fall by that next January, there was a night I was sitting there on the couch with Scott and it was just one of those overcomes of you got to start a women's group. You got to, you got to do this. And it was, couldn't hold back anymore. And it's like, fine, just, Leave me alone. I'll send the text message. So, <laughs> just let me relax. Like, so I text. I know. So I text all these neighborhood women. Just totally nervous. I, I mean, I had let the run for God, but this was not. This was different. And had a thing from uh, Right Now Media, what the women saw. So text all these neighborhood women just saying, hey, I would like to get together for four weeks. And have a little women's group, talk about the Bible, you know, all this. So finally that first night comes and only two two women show up. That's Bridget Breen and, and Lauren Wright. And uh, that's exactly how God meant it to be. It was, you know, where two or three gather, there he is among them. And it turned into, well, I should say God turned it. He has used it. There have been women that have gone through, you know, job losses, um, well, death, uh, sickness, and um, just a lot of changes. All the women that it came to be, to be able to group and count on one another for prayer. You got to come for a little bit. like, And, and it's changed through different seasons. We've had different women mm-hmm. in and out. But, I mean, God has just taken it into this whole other direction. And it's things like that constantly on my faith walk, following those promptings. When it's heavy on me, you need to pray right now. That I used to resist. And there's been times, I'm not, I told you, Jared, that one time I was prompted, you were sharing some vulnerability you were going through, and it was, you need to pray right now for Jared. Put your hands on him and pray. I didn't. And then I had to apologize to you for that. And, but, he constantly, you, you take those steps, you open that door, you follow that prompt, even when it doesn't make sense. Like he's, there's always that bigger picture. And I got to hear uh, Brad and Rebecca Oshel's testimony one day. Um, we had drove to uh, Paola to hear their testimony. And that was one of the things I remember Rebecca talking about was those prompts. And just sometimes they don't make sense, but you just, you do it. There was um, one time with uh, my neighbor, Kim. She's one of those people moving to Wellsville. It's just been such a blessing to have a great friend right across the street. One of the reasons, like, this is why I'm supposed to be here. That kind of friendship. Her mom, I didn't know her mom, Donna, that well at the time. I did not know that Donna was a woman of faith. I, I knew none of this. And this was at one of the times she had had one of her first bouts of sickness, which she eventually got better before she got ill again. I happened to be over there. I knew she was nervous because of the pandemic. A lot of people that, you know, were sick, you knew you were more vulnerable 
if you were going through something else. But she had said, no, it's okay if she's there. While I'm sitting on the floor, wait, you know, Donna and stuff's there. I mean, I got the sweats. It was like, you need to put your hands on her and pray for her right now. And it was like, you know, I think her son and daughter, like, they were there. And I was like, no, they're going to think I'm so weird. Like, I can't, I can't do this. And I didn't sweated it out but it was like the Holy Spirit was like you you need to do this and I didn't and one night I I had shared with women's group what had happened and they they were like you got to tell Kim and this was after Donna had lost her life and I I told Kim about that and she told me that her mom was like so strong in her faith. She would have loved that. Like it would have been. And it's just one of those, I feel like God, he gives you those, like follow them. And I share my hesitations and hopes that others don't. And I, I'm still a work on that, you know, with be bold. Like why do I, why do I hesitate on, on these things? And more than anything, you know, I have practice I'm, I'm I praise God no matter my circumstances there are Sunday mornings you don't feel it you don't want to go maybe there's something else going on with your family with your husband with your kids it's heavy on you I praise the Lord no matter what it's my circumstances they're right here but like I know there's a bigger picture like this there's always a bigger picture and I think that is one thing no matter what my circumstances through my walk that that is what I've learned and that is what I do and I can tell you this too when because you had given me this date uh, over a month ago that for this recording podcast date I had been wrestling with how to share because there's so many things you can't share everything you know there's you can't remember everything but I was wrestling how do you how do I really communicate out what I struggled with in belief unbelief doubt believing and I had to go to Gridley which is by Burlington my in-laws or whatever I go work for them one day a month and as I'm leaving work I normally take the highway there was a pilot car one lane on that road that took me forever to get there. So when I left, I was like, I'm taking gravel. I'm not waiting on this pilot car. So I take the gravel. There's a song, Faithful God by I Am They. And I'm thinking about the podcast again. Like, gosh, you know, what are you going to say? What are you going to share? Not Just kind of having that wrestling again. I'm taking the gravel road which is a gravel road I've been on many times. And then there's a deer. <laughs> there's two deer, actually. And I just stopped. You know, I just paused. And then, of course, it does, like, a beautiful leap and goes back out into the... But it was just that. It was like, it's like, it's not on me. God's going to communicate out what somebody else needs to hear. It's not, it's just not on me. This is just me sharing what God has done for me. His pursuing me, I was the lost, and now I'm a follower, and now I want other people to know him as I do. I want them to have to know how loved they are um, and that they're valued and that there is a reason that they're here, the reason they're still breathing, 
and anyways, that was, uh, I start each day, um, with this, with this verse I memorized, and so I thought it would be good to say it kind of towards the end of my speaking, um, but it's Psalm 73, verses 23 through 26. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Wow. I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> There's so many good things. Yeah, that's Jared's speechless. I, yeah, that's not that's not very uh, very common for me to be speechless. Uh, so I know seeing deer in Kansas, most people would just be like, "Well, it's Kansas." You know, yeah. we're kind of known for big deer in Kansas, especially <laughs> eastern Kansas. Uh, but seeing them at those times, those special times when you need them, is makes all the difference in the world. I want to clarify that because I know there may be some people that listen that aren't believers that are going to be say, "Oh, they're deer." Yeah, they're deer in Kansas. A coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a big difference when it's when you're looking for a sign and you get the same sign over and over and over again, or maybe even you don't know you're looking for a sign. You're just looking for something, mm-hmm. and the sign comes to you. And that in this case, it's the deer. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, but also, as a deer hunter, it's going to make it a lot harder for me uh, this no, December uh, when listen, I get out there and be I like, eat, I is eat Michelle meat. looking? I eat, I eat deer meat. I mean, I I think God, he speaks to people that, you don't have to stop hunting. I mean. Oh, no, I'm not going to stop. I'm just saying, <laughs> you don't, well, you don't have to feel bad that you're killing my deer. I mean. <laughs> Was this the one she seen? <laughs> No, I mean, we gotta, we gotta eat. <laughs> <laughs> we still have a freezer full from our life, from his last season. Yeah. So. Being the only one in the house that eats deer regularly is kind of tough. You don't like him? I, I do. It, you don't. I do. It depends on what, I don't like the steaks, but ground, the ground deer is not bad. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just, I like, I like cows. I like, I like beef mm-hmm. and chicken mm-hmm. and pork. I, I can't do it. The deer... Um, elk. We've tried that. Anyway. Yeah, Jason White, if you're listening, we're out of elk. I mean, yeah. we haven't had elk in a couple of years now, so we don't even need half of it. <laughs> um, I want to say something. Were you going? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, about women's group and how important it is, and it's something I've been actually wanting to message you about to see when our, you know, if you guys are still doing women's group because we been done with our Dave Ramsey on Fridays or on Mondays but um I remember the first time going to your house and you know wanting to put myself out there to be included with you know women that are God-seeking and you know the positive things that I needed in my life and women who have kids and are married and have full-time jobs and like all the you know it's important to be around those types of people in your in your life and I remember going and I was so intimidated because I was like I don't I you know we were just fresh going back to church and that you know I've been going to church my whole life but not following like I've said before in my podcast like 
there's a big difference to me of, of following and you know, I don't know anything about the Bible at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't want to talk. I just want to sit there and listen. I told him many times, I was like, I don't think I'm going to go. Like, I, I don't hardly know mm-hmm. these women. You know, I barely knew you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I stopped talking <laughs> once yeah. we got into it. And it was It just, yeah, the things that the first um, video and discussion that you had and everything, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can talk about it. And Mm -hmm. it was like word vomit of everything that I needed to get off. And it's, it's a great thing to have is the women's groups Mm -hmm. big time. I loved it. Totally agree. Life groups. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And not just, yeah. Yeah. Small groups. Men's group one. Uh, Yeah. I got a few. Yep. It's a legit way to do life together, you know, more more than the church. Yeah. And you, I mean, you need the church too, but. Yeah. When we started our group, our Bible study, you know, and it's just you, me. At first, when it, it was just you, I, Scott, and us two, and we're like, this is it. And it was amazing. <laughs> and it's still great. Week yeah. after week, it was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. And I got. Speaking of the the Bible studies and stuff, I got a couple things about that. One of them, um, you you mentioned you felt like a fraud going to Bible study because you weren't going to church and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Just going to the Bible study, and the women that you went there um, that held the Bible study, making you feel welcome, and like when you finally told them, they're like, "Okay, great." Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I thought it was gonna be like this big condemning I think thing. <laughs> That's super important um, for people to know that if you're if you go to that Bible study, you're gonna you're gonna feel that way ahead of time. If you go to that Bible study, most likely you're not gonna feel that way when you leave. You're gonna be welcomed. Mm-hmm. If not, then that Bible study needs to it's look at itself. Not for you, maybe. you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's either not for you <laughs> or it needs to take a look inward at, at why are you this way. But um, so yeah, fill it and then. Like you mentioned, Lauren and Bridget and the two of you mm-hmm. are all women that have moved to Wellsville, the town yes. where their husbands all yes. were raised. Yes. So that makes a big deal, too, where both yeah. of you mentioned coming to a town where you don't know people. And yeah, we did. you did it twice. Yeah, we did. We had one night at Bible study at women's group. When we realized that all of us women that happened to be there, we were all in Wellsville because of our husbands. They all had history. They all knew everybody. And all of us were like the new people. You know what I mean? Like we came here for our husbands and it was one night we just realized that. We're like, no wonder we're so connected. Yeah. Yeah. That makes <laughs> no sense. So real. It's, it's so real though. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. The other thing was you, you mentioned the holding hands and prayers and... <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know what I'm going to know. say right here. The first night we got together oh, here at the house, I, I'm not a hand holder. Like, I, I'm a big time hugger for being the guy that I am. It's kind of strange, but I'm a hugger. I'm not a hand holder. So the first time we get ready studying, like I said, it was just the four of us. And you were like, are we going to pray? And you and Scott grab hands. And... <laughs> I think one of us was standing, like Jen was standing or I was standing or something. So then it all ended up in this weird, awkward, like all of us on our knees in the middle of the floor, like <laughs> heads bowed, holding hands. If anyone was 
was watching, looked through our windows, walked through the door, whatever, and what they, they would think that there was... We laughed so hard at that. And it was, well, and for the people who are listening that don't know you guys, like you and Scott specifically, <laughs> oh, God. like you guys are short and you're stocky and Scott's even stocky. Like, yeah. And watching both of you, like after we realized what was happening <laughs> and then I like looked at, like looked at everybody around, like she's fit, you know, she works out and then there's you two in, like on the side of her and you guys look so awkward on your knees, <laughs> like sitting on your knees and just so uncomfortable and like... Because I think Scott's like, I can't, I can't I think sit Scott like sat on his butt, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I and can't cross my legs. Like, oh, I yeah, can't. Yeah, he's he like, I don't do any of that. Yeah. Just, like, his legs are up here by his <laughs> Make arms. Make the prayer and, quick. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was very awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely an inside joke. Nobody's going to think it's funny mm-hmm. right now. Listening. Probably not, but at the time it was hilarious. It was the best thing, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I knew. I was like... This, this, this is, is the best idea stuff. for Bible study. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and the last question I have for you, as a scientist, oh, <laughs> explain how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were kind of made. How did that happen? So there was this liquid that had some mutant properties. <laughs> and then I think they... it was an ooze. Oh, okay. If we're being yeah, and specific. so the turtles, you know, were swimming in it. And it, you know, it's like spinach to Popeye. It just blew them up. So why why teenage, though? Like, why not why not elderly or middle-aged mutant ninja turtles? Yeah, I'm so confused. They gotta be in their prime. I'm just making this up. Oh, I was like, I, I was like, is this in my notes? Did we just no. get together before us? Well, she's a scientist, and that's a science. I was just testing her um, <laughs> if, she's, if she's legit or not. Can so. I ask, um, just because I had one question, like a, if it's okay for a personal question yeah. of things, um, when you and Tyler, Tyler, uh-huh. where was he, was he, were you guys going to church together um, and stuff, or where was it, Yeah, at first it was just me, and when they did switch to Sunday mornings, that's when he started going with, um, and when I had told him I wanted to get baptized, um, he did too. Really? He got baptized that same day, um, and then after that, um, it, especially when we got the new building, our bigger building, um, he he did not go as often. Uh, that's part of the change, I think, with a growing church. Um, it can be hard for people. A lot of our core, you know, we were so tight in that little church, that was hard for people when we got the bigger one. We were mm-hmm. able to reach more people but they missed that energy of our little tiny building where we were so, and so I I think of that often as I'm on this side with family church and we're planting in Baldwin. I know there are going to be changes that, you know, maybe take away our comforts of the way we like worship done or this Mm -hmm. or that. But the bigger picture is there's people in Baldwin that need us. I was one of those people in Burlington from Lamont, and they were focused on outward. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly, I feel like our church is so good at focusing on it. There are going to be changes that maybe aren't our preference, Mm -hmm. but there's someone in Baldwin. There's still people here, don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of people here, but just that bigger picture. Yeah. And didn't Scott and Addison get baptized? Yes. The same See, I, there's things I didn't say. That's okay. That, yes, but the minute after we came yeah, to family church. 
The yeah. minute they came to family church, when they scheduled that first baptism service, he was... He was ready. He was ready. Awesome. Him and Addison got baptized together. It, it was a very, yeah. very special day. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked, after my podcast in your episode today, worship is a connection. Yes. Uh, like, I don't think, and I didn't even realize it, too, but I didn't realize how much Christian music and worship music, like, all of that has such an impact mm-hmm. of your feelings. Like, when yes. you're feeling something mm-hmm. and you can turn on, like, that specific song. Like, even just some you. of the times of you talking, mm-hmm. like, you know, God's open hands and things. Like, there's a song that I love that I'm like, oh, I need to go listen mm-hmm. to that song now, too. And yes, it's just, like, I'm pumped for worship night. Oh. We're going to have to talk about that. Kyle and Zach and Lauren. and July 7th, Wellsville <laughs> Family Church Worship oh. Night. It's mm. going to be Amazing. awesome. Yeah. The last one was great. I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> and I was someone who always wanted to skip the worship section when we first started coming. I just wow. I was like, I'll be in the lobby hanging out and talking to talking to people. But now I'm like, hey, it's starting. Let's we get in there. and get, we in there get in there and worship. For, yeah. And the worship night was was awesome, so I'm really looking forward to the next yeah. one. Our, we are blessed. Our front. Our, oh, yeah. I, I can't wait. I'm already excited for this worship I night. know. That's what I said. Like, we are. Like, uh, Kyle and all of them, like, just wait. Get wait ready. For Get ready. Hutchinson's and Sunquist have planned. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give anything away. All right, um, and the last thing I have, Maverick is wise beyond his years. Like, the few things you said about him, like, the things he said to you, um, and like the way he comforted you and stuff like that for a guy who anytime I've been around him is so quiet, doesn't really say much. He doesn't like when I seen him in a cast and I was asking about his arm, he didn't want to speak to me. It seemed like, but the dude is wise beyond his years, man. He is. He, and he's, he's a spiritual being. He, he's a dreamer and it, he does. And I, you know, I think that's also the difference, um, you know, the seeds were being planted in me when he was born. So he has, and this was when I used to do that running with Shauna, the worship leader. I didn't know how to live in the, I'm like, so you guys like pray before you eat? Or you do, how do you live out your faith at home with your kids? Because I don't know. And even now, Scott and I, we just, we navigate it as we go. Sometimes we'll call the kids up and we'll be like, we're going to read Matthew and then we're going to talk about it. Or... Sometimes I just, you know, I'll tell the kids, I'm like, but did, did you pray to God about that? Or do you want me to pray with you? You know, so it's it's not perfect. I, I am inspired when I hear how Curtis and Sue did things, how Kyle and Lauren mm-hmm. do things. Absolutely. But there's no perfect. You just, you just keep planting the seeds. You live out your faith. You talk about it. You, and, and even doing this podcast, this has been very, I don't know what the word is. Like trying to put things in a timeline and talking, but it's remembering. It's like, why is it so easy sometimes to forget all that God has done? Like, why? Because we're so human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and there's just so many things that, like, all the things that recently for us, even going through that are just so amazing and mm-hmm. so just that I just have so many thoughts in my head and it, it doesn't come out right. Yeah. <laughs> of what God has done. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Before we um, turn it all off, uh, can I pray? Of course. Absolutely. So we're going to hold For hands. For sure. Yeah, we are. We're holding hands. We're all still sitting in chairs. <laughs> Don't touch the buttons. All right. 
Dear God, um, I just want to thank you, Lord, um, just just for how you bless this podcast, Lord. Um, it just for for Jared and Jennifer following your promptings um, to, to lead this, to speak to others, to share testimonies because of how powerful it is to share what you have done in lives, Lord. And I just pray that you continue um, to bless the speakers, um, to bless their lives, um, that this reaches people, that people hear what they need to hear um, to find you, to know you better in their lives, Lord. Um, we just love you. We praise you. We always worship you. It is in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys coming back week after week and listening to these testimonies. You can find us on Facebook at the Almost Home Podcast, Instagram at the Almost Home dot podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and then if you just copy and paste the RSS link that we have posted every week, and you can um, copy and paste that into your favorite um, platform to be able to listen to. So, thank you, Michelle. You got anything? Any other parting words or? Praise Jesus. There you go. Praise Jesus. And thanks again to Gage for the uh, for the extra uh, equipment and everything. We're doing great things here. So thank you all. I love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.